Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are uh, concluding this last principle of handling conflict for the Marriage as Covenant series. So, we are now in the last part. You want to take a guess what it is? And we've gone through several of these, right? Uh, choosing to be committed, uh, being honest and fair, keeping your anger under control, choosing an appropriate time to discuss the problem, stick to the issue at hand, and listen carefully, speak tactfully. You want to take a guess what is this last principle for handling conflict? Um, be willing to forgive and forget. And by forgetting means don't bring it up again. And obviously there are things you can't forget. And the, the book is not being unrealistic about it, and neither is life. I'm going to read something from uh, page 115 of Dr. Bakioki's book. It says, in every marriage, there are times when conflicts become uncontrolled and irrational. Because of fatigue, pride, selfishness, or anxiety, the ugly side of our nature breaks out in angry outbursts, cutting remarks, abusive language, or irrational accusations. Such behavior awakens the equally ugly side in our mates, who may retaliate similarly with angry and abusive language. Unfortunately, that may be more common than we would like to admit or recognize. Um, some things about you know forgiveness. To forgive does not mean to ignore something that has been done wrong. To forgive is not to ignore a wrong. To forgive is not to explain away sinful behavior. That's not it either. Um, so we want to look at what forgiveness is not because a lot of times we, we kind of dig our heels with, well, I'm not going to forgive. What, is, what do you mean by forgiving? Forgiveness, forgiveness does not mean you're going to ignore something wrong done to you. Um, and it's not explaining away sinful behavior either. To forgive is not to condone or endorse dysfunctional attitudes, actions, and words. So this is not, forgiveness is not any of these things. The fact that something has to be forgiven indicates clearly that it is evil. An evil thing has taken place. So far be it from you and I to think that forgiveness simply waters down what they've done or minimizes what they've done. No, if I have to forgive you, that means you've wronged me. And the other person needs to recognize that if they need to be forgiven, it's because something evil has come out of their mouths or their attitudes, etc. Forgiveness, like listening, is also something we must learn. We, we don't, this doesn't come to us natural. And it's not because, well, there's some logical reasons why it's difficult for us to forgive. Most of our lives growing up, we spend learning about being fair. You know, if your brother gets one scoop of ice cream, you're going to get one scoop too. That's fair. It's just. If your sister gets this for Christmas, then you're also going to get something of equal or similar value. Um, that's being just. It's, it's being fair. If you allow one child to do one thing, you must allow the other child to do one thing. And as the children get older, they begin to see that if daddy eats this, then they also must be allowed to eat that as well. And that's when daddy's diet gets really good, right? Forgiveness, um, for us then, logically speaking, becomes the most unfair and unjust experience we are called to give willingly. And that's why... In order to forgive, there's just uh, some, some musts. The, the, the ability to forgive will not come naturally to us. We may say the words, but to actually 
do it from the inside. I believe it requires a supernatural power, the grace of God. So here are some verses that I want to place in your mind as we conclude this series. And we look at how forgiveness plays such a crucial role in allowing for conflict resolution. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love Him, that's capital H, that's God. We love God because He first loved us. Another verse, Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, forgiveness to any anyone else, another human being, <clears throat> will never take place unless we have first recognized and experienced forgiveness for ourselves. We don't know how to forgive. We don't know what it looks like. All we really know that we gets masqueraded as forgiveness is revenge. We do that really well. But forgiveness, it is beyond us. Forgiveness is a gift that comes through the grace of God. And if 1 John 19 says that we love God because he first loved us, the Colossians 3.13 makes sense that we are able, we are empowered. Now we have a reference point of what forgiveness looks like because I know what it feels like for me. I know how God has forgiven me in Christ. And now I know what forgiveness looks like and I am willing to give it to someone else. So it's something that we learn. The, the cross, the cross of God reveals the height and depth and width of his everlasting love by forgiving us. So the love and forgiveness go hand in hand. At the cross, and only at the cross, does forgiveness become fair and just. You know, it costs God something in order for him to forgive us. So if I'm going to forgive someone, something, it's going to cost me something. I can't simply say, well, I forgive you, but I still want 50-50. I'm forgive you, but then you got to do this. Forgiveness, though it does bring some accountability, and I'm going to put more context in, just, in these um, principles in just a bit. But in general, forgiveness means that it, I'm going to have to sacrifice something. I'm going to have to sacrifice the fact that uh, this person did this and the lawnmower got busted up and we don't have a lawnmower. And I need to forgive that person. And if I forgave my, my wife, using the, the scenario from a previous uh, episode, if I forgave my wife because it wasn't just the, the spark plug, but the whole engine got messed up because of something she, something she did um, unintentionally or intentionally, if I forgive her, it's not just that I get to say, okay, we don't have a lawnmower anymore. I can't bring it up. If I want to say I forgive you, I can't bring that episode up anymore. And it's a choice. It's not that God will give you an amnesia. Satan will certainly remind you of everything your spouse has ever done wrong to you. When the conflict is making you both hot under the collar, Satan will be there. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And just like in the, in the school fights, when you had those kids say, Oh, did you hear what he said about your mama? Did you hear about what he said about your daddy? And they're trying to push you and edge you. That's Satan. Those are in our thoughts. And, and he's there edging us on so that we can incrementally get more and more aggressive verbally, emotionally with each other. But forgiveness... Forgiveness, short secret, all, all those things. Forgiveness says, Lord, I can't, I don't want to, I do want to, but I've offered forgiveness to this person. I've offered forgiveness to my husband, to my wife. Please help me to not throw this in their face because you don't do that to me. Your word tells me that when you forgive me, you cast my sins to the bottom of the ocean. 
And Father, help me to do the same with my wife's mistakes. Um, help me. Help me to forgive. So this idea of forgiveness being natural, for me, I think is a bit arrogant. I'm not talking about, you You know, you forgive that they burnt your toast and you got to put a new piece of bread. That That's not, I hope you understand that that's not. I'm talking about the issues of, you know, the words that were spoken, the accusations, um, cruelty, all those things that are just, they need forgiveness. Um, we must really come to the foot of the cross again and again to get deeper glimpses of God's eternal love through which he chose to freely and fully forgive me so that I may be transformed and empowered to forgive others as he forgave me. Romans 3.26 is where our meditations need to be when, when struggling and confronted with difficulty of forgiveness. Romans 3.26 says, God the Father, he offers up Christ so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I used to wonder, it was, Paul, you're so puzzling. Why can't you say things simpler? Well, it's pretty simple. God was just when at the cross he took all of my sins and punished Christ for them fully to the fullest extent and demands of the law. He was just. But because he punished Jesus to the fullest, he could be my justifier. He could be my forgiver. God could forgive me, not because he ignored my sin, not because he waters it down or minimizes it. He took the ugly, the full ugly of my sin and placed it all upon Christ and then punished him so that I may be forgiven, that I may be healed from sin. And that is the experience that Jesus invites us to have. Now, I told you that I was going to bring a little you know, parenthetical statement to all of this. Now, you and I may be called to forgive individuals in a, in a marriage relationship that are uh, not common. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. But though I am called to forgive an abusive husband, a physically abusive husband, or a chronically unfaithful wife, yes, we are called to forgive. Uh, we are told to forgive any and all sins. But we do not need to stay in those toxic relationships because they simply are not relationships these are not marriages a husband that you know habitually and regularly abuses his wife verbally abuses her physically um, or spouse by versa a wife that does the same thing or or is always after some other guys and you know i'm so sorry but it's constantly just going after other guys that's not a marriage that's not a relationship so marriages are two individuals committed to investing all of themselves into their covenant marriage relationships. They are learning not to make general statements. They are learning to listen better and better and speaking gentler and gentler to each other. They pray for and yield their wills to God so that the fruits of the Spirit will flourish in their marriage. They are committed to daily connecting themselves and their marriage to the only source of love, grace, and power. But not everyone makes those choices. Unfortunately, there are times when individuals begin to develop clear patterns of downward spiraling into darker and darker territory. And no one should allow themselves to get dragged down into that, that darkness with their spouse. Our ultimate loyalties, your ultimate loyalties and obligations are to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ not to any man or woman, including your husband, including your wife. 
So you do not need to get sucked into this vortex of darkness. You may be committed. You may be willing to forgive and work and invest in this marriage, but your spouse may not. And there comes a time where you need to say, this is not healthy for me. This is not healthy for, this is not a relationship anymore. You have destroyed it. You have destroyed it. Um, Revelations 22 verses 11 and 15 says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. But outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. There are husbands and there are wives that are putting forth no effort to seek for the Lord. They're putting no, forth no effort to seek per, for professional herb, help, to humbly repent of their sinful practices and attitudes and behaviors. And they are making choices by putting forth no effort. Choices that God will honor by keeping them from receiving eternal life. God will honor those choices and you need to honor their choices too. So this is a parenthetical statement that if you are in an abusive relationship, heaven is not expecting you to stay in it. You have God's permission to step out of that or to tell your spouse you need to leave. Until you're ready for a marriage, this is not a marriage and I will not accept it. I am honoring your choice. This is not your choice, their choice. But for you and I, we have this invitation we have this appeal from this series that you will learn not to make general statements that you will learn to listen better to speak gentler that you will pray and yield your will to God so that in doing this the fruits of the Spirit will flourish in you and in turn in your marriage you're making a choice to be committed to daily connecting yourself to the only one who invented marriage and the only one who can heal it and sustain it for the long run. He is the only source of love, grace, and power. By doing this, you are committing to living out a marriage covenant, a marriage in which you choose, empowered by the grace of God, to love your spouse the way God tells us in His Word we ought. That is the blessing, and that is the invitation of this series. I pray it's been a blessing for you May God bless your marriage. May God bless your marriage.